And here we are. So uh, welcome to the call today. Today um, we're going to be talking about outsourcing to the Philippines, pros and cons. And joining me for today's call, Neville Samuels. Welcome to the call, Neville. Hi, David. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. Maybe give us a bit of a snapshot of the world of Neville Samuels, what you do, who you are. Well, I've been running Virtual Staff 365 for the last six years. Uh, prior to that, I used to run an e-commerce business. Yes. David, can you hear me all right? I have. I yeah. just somehow posted a workbook, which I don't really know why I oh, did that. Okay. Your, your face changed. I, I knew you weren't. I knew something was wrong. Um, so prior to running this business, I used to have an e-commerce business. And we used a lot of offshore staff in the e-commerce business. Uh, it was in the early days of e-commerce when, in fact, a lot of businesses would hide behind the internet. Yes. And so in a way, it was really easy to use people offshore to do a lot of work for us. Mm -hmm. and, and being an internet business in e-commerce, selling things online, yeah. really lent itself to remote working. Yeah. It didn't matter where you were. No one could come and pick up from your warehouse or pick up an item. It was always dispatched. And um, I remember our competitors didn't even have phone numbers yeah, to right. call. We had a phone number. We'd let people call us so we could have conversations with people. Yes. Um, and uh, I got out of that business at the end of 2015, and my business partner said, what are you going to do? He said to me at the time, what are you going to do now? And I said, you know, I'm responsible for all these offshore people that we're using, and mm -hmm. none, of, none of my friends know how we do that. Yeah. And I think I can help people essentially navigate the journey of, uh, offshoring or having people work remotely. Yeah. So it's, that started in 2016. Yes. Facebook user says Neville seems to have an echo. I don't understand that, but I'm going to try something to see if I can cancel echo. Testing, testing. Yeah. Let's see Is if that's that any works. better. I hope so. If the Facebook user can let us know if the echo's gone, that'd be awesome. Um, the, the reason I wanted to talk to you today, though, is because outsourcing is not new. Uh, it's been around for quite a while, and outsourcing to the Philippines especially has been around for a long time. And it seems to have gone through a renaissance through the uh, through the COVID sort of era where all of a sudden it's like, well, if we're going to outsource, that's better, thanks. So obviously the uh, audio is sounding better. Uh, if we're going to go through the outsource, um, uh, sorry, if we're going to go through working from home, uh, we're flattening the playing field for people who work all around the world because working from home in Australia or working at home anywhere in the world is the same infrastructure. Um, so tell me, what do you think's changed in terms of outsourcing to the Philippines right now? What makes it better now than it was, say, three years ago? Is it better or is it the same or is, is there other things that have occurred? That's a great question. I, I, think, I think COVID has demystified working remotely. Mm -hmm. So everyone, every business now understands that they can do it. Yeah. The question is how, how well do you want to do it? Do you just want to have someone do the work and not really engage with them? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to actually build a team of people that are working in your business and are integrated into your business. And I think more and more what's happening now is people want to feel a part of a business. Yeah, right. I think a lot of people, whether they're working in the Philippines or working in India or anyone else, but we predominantly do the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Those people that are working for our clients, they want to feel like they're a part of a business. 
Yes. Now, five or 10 years ago, it was just, we want to work from home. Mm. We just want to have some work to do. We want to pay the bills mm -hmm. and we want to work from home. Now you've got a whole country of people that want to work from home, but it doesn't mean that they want to be detached from their manager. They actually want to be a part of it. They want to be engaged. Yes. We're, we're seeing a lot of that and we're actually seeing where there is not that engagement between a manager in Australia and a, someone doing work for them in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. It does not lead to a successful outcome. Right. Right. So, so not dissimilar to this whole idea of when people were working from home and they were missing socialization. So, you know, uh, a lot of companies in the past couple of years said, you know, you have to work from home. So we're going to set you up to work from home. And uh, a lot of employees said, this is fantastic because now I can work from home. And after a while, they start to realize they're missing the uh, nuances of having coffee in the kitchen, um, having a chat about what was going on on the weekend. And so really, this has always been the issue with outsourcing to the Philippines, though, hasn't it? Is this idea of it's just a person on the other end of a computer somewhere doing some work for me. It, it, it has always been the problem. Yeah. And we tend to, in our business, we want to meet people who actually want to go beyond that. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier about integrating people into your business. Mm. Uh, it, it's not just about that. There, there are also some, um, there, there's some human issues as well. We say mm. to people, switch on the video camera, have a chat with your staff, talk to them. Yeah. We think that's really important. There is with remote work, there is always a risk. There's a risk that your remote worker, if you do not engage with them, after a period of time, they know you're not going to switch on the camera. They know you don't want to talk to them because you, you've set that as the ground rules. Right. So they say, well, why should I do the work? Let me get someone else to do the work for you. Yeah. Right. right. That's a, that's a real, pro that's a real problem for us. Yeah. We say to our clients and I say to anyone who's working with people remotely, switch on those webcams, yeah. have chats with your people and do it at random intervals. Do it whenever. Yeah. If you're going to explain something to someone, instead of typing it out, have a chat, eyeball them. Mm -hmm. You know, David, every time you talk to me, yeah. You know it's me here. It's the same bald guy talking, right? Yeah. So, but if you never switch on the camera and it's always just via typing, yes, uh, you don't really know who's there. No. We want you to have a direct relationship, a direct communication with those people. Professional, yeah, a professional relationship, but but do it face to face. Okay. So look, I, I suppose you've been in this game for a while and you've seen the companies that have embraced outsourcing to the Philippines and grown marvelously. And you've also seen the disasters. Okay. I'm curious without naming anybody, tell me yeah. a bit about the disasters and, and you know, other than this camera thing. So making sure that you treat that person as a human, what are the other traps that people fall into when they outsource? Um, probably the, the, the biggest trap is not putting in a level of oversight. Right. And checking the work of the person that's doing the work for you. It's very easy to forget that there's someone there. So you give them work to do and it's Monday and you expect it back on, let's say, Friday. Mm -hmm. And if you don't regularly check on the work that's being done, at some point you're going to look and see what's there and discover there's possibly nothing. Right. And 
we've had some some situations like that. Yeah, so it's like out, so, of, out of mind, right? Correct, mm. correct. Um, some examples are, uh, I mean, a classic example happened with us in our e-commerce business where my business partner gave a data entry person something to do and he just told him what to do and he said, do you understand? And the guy said, on the other side said, yes. Mm -hmm. And at the end of about three days, I get a call from my business partner to say this guy, his name was, for the sake of today, let's just say his name was Jack. He said, Jack's done absolutely nothing. Right. Or Jack has completely ruined the database. And I said, but what happened? And he said, well, I asked him, I told him what to do. And I said to him, do you understand? And he said, yes. So I let him go and do it. Right. And what I said to my partner at the time, I said, yeah, but when he says yes, he's just saying that he heard you. Uh -huh. he the only way you know if he really knows what he's doing is for you to actually check his work. Gotcha. So, so you tell him to do it once and then he's got to put his fingers down and stop typing. He's got to let you know. Yes that you're he's finished and you've got to check his work yeah. and then if he's done it right you've got to tell him to go do it five times and then to put his hands down mm. and wait for you to check yeah. and if he's done that right then he can continue okay but, but just to tell someone to do something and they say yes they understand doesn't mean that they understood it the way you intended mm. to instruct someone it's a, it's so the best of uh, your ability to delegate isn't it when you're working with this kind of environment it is, but I think it's especially hard where you can't just turn around or go over someone's shoulder and look at their monitor yeah. and see what they're doing and, and say, ah, oh, yep, okay, that looks great, but this doesn't look right. You know, we mm -hmm. can do it when we're all working in an office together. Yeah. You know, I can literally, if I'm in an open plan office, I can look over my monitor at someone's computer and if they're doing something, I can see if they're on my work or if they're on someone else's work. Yes, yes. Right? You can't do that So when you're working remotely. So you've actually got to build in a system, and it's very simple. Mm -hmm. I've trained the people that work for me. Whenever they do something and I ask them to do something for me, I say, you only do it once, and then you stop and you let me know you've done it once, and I will check it. And if I'm not around, I want you to wait until I'm ready mm. to actually check it. Yes. Because otherwise they go off and it can be a day or two days or three days doing some work. You think they're doing it, but they're not doing it right. Yeah, right. One of one of our probably most uh, one of our worst stories, most unsuccessful engagements. Yes. Was um, one of our clients had a software developer work for them, mm. and they told him to do something, and then they just let him, gave him freedom and time to do it, and yes. Two months later, they said, we're trying to get this. Uh, we, we, we don't know where it is. We don't know what, how far he's gone. Mm. And what they didn't have was a system of checking in every day with him to yeah. see what his progress was. I was talking to another client of ours, and they do software development, and they've got five developers through us. And I phoned up this one client, and I said, look, I'm really concerned because of what happened with the other client. Yes. I'm really concerned that you've got these guys developing for you. Mm. And if someone gets hit by a bus or if someone uh, resigns and you haven't got anything from them, yeah. you're gonna be left with nothing, you'll be very unhappy. He said to me, 
no, 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 Neville, it doesn't work like that. They have to put their work onto, I think they call it a GitHub repository. They have to put it on every day. And at the end of every day, they put it on and yeah. I check work. Mm -hmm. So if something happens to someone tomorrow, yes, we've got I've got all their work up until last night. It's, ne it's never a problem. Yeah. Now, he's, he, he's a perfect example of how to do it. Yes. He's in touch with these guys. He's checking their work throughout the day. He's looking at their code. Whereas the other business or the other client, they just set someone a task, mm. a, a project, and said, go and do it. Yeah. And at the end, they got nothing. He went, he actually went AWOL. Yeah. Interesting. We've got James on the call as well, and he's just made the comment. Um, if I can get it somewhere, you can see it. Uh, we also get our team to do back briefs, uh, to back brief us on what they're about to start doing as well. So, uh, you know, keeping that communication channel open seems to be a key element to making uh, making sure that these people can actually be productive, yeah? Correct. You know, that, that's a great idea. What, what we suggest to everyone mm. is at the end, Get your people at the end of every day to give you an end of day summary of what they've achieved today. Yeah. You know, if, if someone communicates every day what they've achieved, it actually builds up their confidence mm -hmm. that they're getting things done and they're communicating that. Yes. But what we also ask them to do is we say, tell us what you're struggling with. Mm. Right? What do you need some help with? And also tell me what your priority is tomorrow. Yeah. Now, I might not be at my computer when my people leave at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? But at any time later in the afternoon, evening, yeah. can be 10 o'clock at night, I can log on, I can have a look and see a list of things that have been done mm -hmm. and a list of things that are gonna be done tomorrow. You're right. If I know what my people are doing tomorrow mm -hmm. and I want to realign their priority and say, no, 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 I don't want you to work on the James file, I want you to work on the David Guest file because he's busting my Balls over that. Yeah. I can realign that. Yeah, excuse good. my language, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's really important to get that. And if you yeah. don't get that, you don't really have visibility what people are doing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Some of our people, we, we've got a lot of people that are doing customer service. Mm -hmm. They're answering emails. So yeah. at the end of the day, that they're not necessarily going to say, I've answered 175 emails or, or maybe they will yes but there should be that method of communicating where they can say i need help with this this is my priority tomorrow yeah Every, everyone's asking about this new promotion we're running can you give me some information mm -hmm. there needs to be open method of communication and james's idea of getting people to back brief is a great one yeah let me ask you i wanted to touch on this subject a bit of a touchy one is the uh, the wages because there's very differing opinions about how much someone is worth. Because over in the Philippines, obviously, $10 an hour over there is probably the equivalent of maybe $40 an hour or $50 an hour here. So how much should we be paying people in the Philippines? <laughs> there, there, there is a lot, of, um, a lot of different ways to view it. Mm. But we sometimes take a long view on this. Yeah. If you're going to pay that person $40, actually, let, let's bring it back. Let's say someone's on, let's say, let's talk minimum wage in Australia is 23 or $25. Yes. Right. 
if you say, look, I'm not going to pay you, I'm going to pay you minimum wage in Australia because that's reasonable and that's $23. Whereas the wage in the Philippines might be five. Mm. How is that person going to go and get another job in the Philippines if you're paying them 20 or $23 every hour yes. when in the Philippines the going rate is five? So what you're suggesting, it potentially unbalances the economy to, to head Absolutely. that way? Absolutely. Mm. I think it. I think you're setting unrealistic expectations for people. Mm. And I think there are other things that you can do to help them along the way, mm. not just about wages, right? Um, to actually help them. So um, we actually did a comparison of the wages that we pay mm-hmm. versus, well, firstly, we looked at minimum wage in the Philippines, and we did that because... Um, we we had a look at Australians' modern, it's called modern slavery legislation. Yeah. It's actually modern anti-slavery legislation. Right. <laughs> so it's a funny <laughs> terminology there. But one of the things our lawyers said is we, we want to make sure that you're paying reasonable wages. And we looked at the minimum wage. Yes. Um, and, you know, that was never a problem. But then what we did was we compared it with one of our competitors that we have a very close working relationship with. We help each other out. Yeah. And we compared our wages to their wages, and we found that we we're actually paying probably 30% more than what they're paying. Right. Right. Um, and we've got a few reasons for that, and we, we're very comfortable with that. But I think you've got to strike a, a happy medium. I don't think we should be paying necessarily uh, certainly shouldn't be paying minimum wage. It's ridiculously mm. low. Yes. I don't think yes. we should be paying Australian wages. I think we should be paying a market-related wage in the Philippines. And then let's say we find someone in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. We've got to pay a market-related wage in Venezuela. Yes. And if we find someone in South Africa, we, let's pay them a market-related wage. But let's make sure that it is a, a livable wage. And I think James has just mentioned a really good point, which yeah. is something else we do. Um, yeah. So I, I did say earlier that it's not only about the wage. Yeah. There are also other things that we can do to help people. And unlike Australia, that's got a fantastic national health system in Medicare, yeah. um, f- the Filipinos don't have that. Mm-hmm. They do have government hospitals and they have private hospitals and private hospitals are very expensive. So a valued benefit in the Philippines is health insurance, which is as a, Mm -hmm. now with the different HM Philippines is person, it's not per fee. And sorry, your microphone, I can't hear your audio. Audio's. Something's happened. I don't know what it is. You hear me? Again? You there, Neville? I'm here. Yeah. Hello? Something's wrong with our echo cancellation, so I'm just going to play with a few things. Different mic. Yeah, it's not sure. If I turn echo cancellation. Can you hear me? Yes. Not sure if there's echo on it, though. But... uh, our echo cancellation sort of died, but keep going. Okay. Okay. So uh, the, the point I was making is health insurance is a valued benefit in the Philippines, but be mindful that it caters only to individuals. So some of our uh, 
or some of our packages or benefits will be health insurance for one person. Yes. And sometimes the health insurance will be for two or three people yeah, got to you. provide the family with additional health insurance. That's right. Mm. Yeah, cool. Look, um, I want you to crystal ball gaze with me. So obviously this, uh, this is a structural shift that's occurred in our economy now and people are very used to working with uh, remote staff all over the world. I mean, I was talking to someone today even about recruiting salespeople and they said, why aren't you looking globally? And it's never occurred to me that that was viable. But we're now sort of saying there is no boundary. It really depends where the resource is. What's your view of the future of outsourcing? And like, like if we went forward five or 10 years, What's it going to look like? I think, I think, and can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Um, I think people tend to be scared of outsourcing. I, I, I don't really think we should be. I think at the end of the day, businesses are always going to need boots on the ground. Mm. But I do think there is going to be potential to access talent from everywhere. And we are a global economy. It's yes. going to become globally competitive. So um, you, you can detect I've got a South African accent, uh, even though I've been here 27 years. I would far rather get a sales call from someone in South Africa on the yes. phone yes. than from someone in India. Right. Because I, I think I'll have a better experience as the consumer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to shift. I think South Africa is going to be the go-to place, excuse me, for, let's say, uh, sales and outbound phone calls. And you're hearing it now when you phone businesses like Foxtel, I think ANZ Bank are in Durban, Mm. One Three Cabs are in Cape Town. Um, I think the last time I had a call with IINET, they were in Cape Town. You're going to see that shift. Um, A lot of tech businesses or software development houses in the Ukraine have obviously been affected by the recent war, but they're fantastic for outsourcing technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also know that the big tech companies in the US, they outsource innovation. Mm. And they outsource innovation to Israel because Israel is a high tech country. Yes. That is known for its innovation. Yeah. Right. So I think we're going to be picking and choosing our talent from different places, different countries, more and more. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, there's a question from Shamal here, which is what software can use to manage remote workers and have more visibility? Because I think it is literally becoming a part of the equation is how do I make sure these people are doing their jobs? But just before we get into this question, I was thinking about um, there's there's a guy by the name of Peter Diamandis, and he, he wrote a book called Abundance. And he talks about the X prize and um, the idea was that they go globally and throw a challenge on the table and they pay a prize money to the person who comes up with the best solution right and one of the ideas was um, how to create water out of thin air right how to extract water from the air and they pay like a million dollars or 10 million dollars to the winner but the conditions of entry is all of the ip that is created during your application is shed and the the thing that they found is that there's a lot of smart people in the world that just really are off the grid, right? They don't come to mainstream universities. They don't come through those sorts of things. So I think that the whole idea of having global resources really ups the ante on the quality of the people that we can work with. Um, there's a bit of a conversation going with James. Um, he uses Hubstaff. 
which does screenshots and timesheets. I'm pretty happy with that. But to be honest, we don't check screenshots too much because uh, we build trust with our team. This probably comes back to what you were saying before, Neville. James has hit the nail on the head and I was going to say, you can get software to monitor what people do. But yep. if you're in touch with them on a regular basis throughout the day, if you're seeing the work product happening throughout the day, we don't need to look at screenshots to see what someone's doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's a fallback position mm -hmm. to be able to have a look and see. And, and generally, we do have software that provides our clients with screenshots, but we only look at those screenshots when there's a problem. When someone yeah. phones up and says, I don't know what this person did today. I'm not seeing any productivity. We say, well, let's have you had a look at their screenshots. Let's go and have a look. Mm. Now, I've, we've got a team of people in the Philippines that work for myself and my management team here in Melbourne. Yeah. None of us look at screenshots mm. for the same reason that James doesn't. Yeah. It's just not necessary when you're talking to people throughout the day. Mm. When I say to someone, can you please do this for me? And they say, yes, when do you want it by? And I say, give it to me in two hours. And they give it to me in 19 minutes. I don't need to check screenshots. Yeah. It's funny because when you say that, um, what I think about is uh, there's a fellow in the, in the States by the name of Dan Kennedy, and he's a marketer, but he wrote a book on, on management of teams, and his big thing is everybody who works for you will rip you off. This is his statement. He goes, they'll do it consciously or unconsciously, so he believes in having cameras everywhere, and everything is monitored, and it's just a right, right like it's an extreme view, which is the opposite, which is saying if you micromanage everything, then you'll minimize pilferage, right? Interesting uh, view. Yeah. Right? I'm not agreeing it or disagreeing. An, it, I'm just saying it's one extreme, right? It is an interesting view. Uh, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, a guy asked me if I'd be interested in buying into his... He had a pool hall mm -hmm. here in Melbourne. Yeah. And he asked me if I'd be interested in buying into his pool hall with him. Yeah. Um, it, it never happened. But one of the things he, I said to him, how do you trust your staff? Because they go through the night and it was a cash business. And he yeah. said, you know, Neville, everyone's going to steal. It's just a matter of how much. Uh -huh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a different mindset. But yes. if you're getting the work done, that's right. if someone is doing the work for you, they're getting the work done in a reasonable amount of time, then yep. you're communicating with them. You really don't need those mechanisms. Well, that's, that's but the it's a fail-safe. Yeah. And, and I suppose it's that philosophy of outcomes over hours. Because if I'm paying someone for hours, then I don't know what I'm getting other than an hour. But if I'm paying someone for an outcome, then the hours is a secondary measurement as long as they're delivering. Well, you're, you're right. However, this type of outsourcing or mm. outsourcing currently is uh, we do a lot of repetitive low-level work. Yeah. It's very hard to pay someone on an outcomes basis in that case. Yes. It's fine if you're taking on someone at a very high level of professionalism. They say, this is what I'm going to do for you. You say, okay, I'm going to pay you based on that outcome. Mm-hmm. In, in our case, all our people are paid either hourly or fixed monthly yes. pay. Yes. Um, we've had one person that came to us and said, we want to pay on an outcomes basis. And I said, that's just not us. Hmm. We, we don't work that way. Um, yeah. It can be done. But when you... So it, it wouldn't work in our case. No. Well, if someone's job is to man the help desk and respond, I think the things we measure is response time and client satisfaction. So we're sort of measuring the outcome in terms of um, producing a certain standard, but in terms of productivity, there's no project sort of related. Well, 
you know, we, we, we are seeing with our clients a lot of, our, maybe it's not a lot, we're seeing mm. quite a few of our clients are starting to pay monthly bonuses. Yep. They've got set KPIs. Mm -hmm. If someone achieves above their KPI, they get a bonus. Yeah, right. Those bonuses can, can range in value by quite a bit. Yes. Um, probably the highest amount I paid out recently for a client was over four hundred dollars Australian in a month. Yeah. Um, so th there are certainly ways to incentivize people. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it is interesting. So, so really, I suppose what it's forcing people to do is be very clear on their expectation of their employees. Um, make sure that we take into account things like socialization and being human. So having human connection with these people. Um, it's bringing opportunity to these countries because they're now able to work without having to look for work in physical in physical environments. And the future of all this is really where there's no barriers anymore. And really, when you're looking for talent, you can go on a global search and just find the right people. Let's talk about um, yeah, people who are either on the fence or started this journey. What, what's a sort of current advice for people who are heading down this path, going down going down this idea of outsourcing to the Philippines? They're either doing it already or they're thinking about doing it, what do they need to be looking for? Um, current advice. Yeah. For someone going, going down this path. I think the most important thing for a, from, from our perspective for it to be successful is do you have someone here to manage it? Right. And, and what I mean by that is, is there someone here onshore in your business that understands the work that needs to be done offshore, mm. Mm. and are they able to manage the resource? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you some examples of that. Mm -hmm. Someone who's in the car all day and has been told they need a VA to help them with their email and calendar management. Mm -hmm. It's not really going to work because they not don't really have the time and the capacity, the bandwidth to manage someone offshore if they're in their car all day. Right. Someone who's sitting at their desk and they've got so much work that they just can't get it done. But they're at their desk and they can manage someone and they, in fact, they can train someone mm -hmm. and then manage them. That works perfectly. Yeah, right. So if you're going down the path, ask yourself, do you have the time and the inclination to train someone to do all the things that you don't want to do? to free up your time to do whatever it is you want to do with your time, yep. whether it's uh, whether it's to grow your business, whether it's to, I mean, I, I'd like to create more content. Mm -hmm. That's something I'd like to do personally. Yeah. So if I can free up my time to do that, that'll help me. I want to do more business development. So mm. that's what I want my time freed up for. Yeah. But sometimes someone just, sometimes we get a call from someone and they disarray. They're completely disorganized. And someone at a barbecue has said to them, go get yourself a VA. Mm. It doesn't always work. Right. Because if you're not there to check their work, mm. if you're not there to provide a little bit of supervision, let them escalate a query up to someone yes. during the day. If you've got that infrastructure, it's great. Yeah. If you don't have that bandwidth, it's very challenging to, to do it successfully. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. 
Neville, I am mindful of time. We're just on 12.30, which is lunchtime for some people, and we're trying to keep these to half an hour. So it's been awesome having you on the show, just uh, really giving some insight into this idea of outsourcing and, and really the, the traps and, and, and I suppose where people are getting stuck. Um, really appreciate your time today. So thanks very much for joining us. David, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, if anyone's got any questions, they're welcome to, to reach out. Yeah, I mean, your name's on the screen. Uh, it's easy to find you these days. It's uh, <laughs> Google's a marvellous thing when people say, I don't know where to find you. You just say, type my name in Google and you will find me. So um, once again, appreciate your input. So thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, everyone.